we're, we're doing that Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn talk. Nets talk right here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn, we go hard. We go, go hard. Talking Nets. Hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. Yes, sir. Welcome back to Talking Nets, episode 186. Now, we were just talking about our bonus episodes we've been doing that go straight to pod. They're not on YouTube. That's for the podcast only audience. Hope you guys enjoy those bonus hits. It's really just a way for us to get a word in in between every couple games, like for us to get a word in on all-star voting or a reaction to the Phoenix Suns game. And that was the last one we did reacting to the loss in Phoenix which was frustrating, but it's super positive to see the Nets build on that. Kyrie Irving really take a leadership role and uh, put it on himself. Nick Claxton in that Phoenix game, I remember us giving him props saying he was playing for the name on the front and back of his jersey together. They've got something going, and uh, the never-know Nets are back. You never know with this team. You literally never know. I I thought this was going to be another losing streak that could climb close to where it was last year when KD went out, but they fought against that. And they told us this is not like last year. This is not like last year. And now their actions actually backed up their words. Robin Lumberg, Hudson Flynn. What's up, Robin? Yo, I mean, look, talk about reacting to stuff a little bit. I think Nets fans in general overreacted a little bit. And the best thing I think I could say is that the comments about this not being the same team are starting to look correct. You know, we didn't expect when KD went down for them to keep up the same winning pace. I mean, that's not realistic. But what we did expect was for them to stay afloat, for them to compete. And because of the the teams they lost to, the way it went down, uh, blowing it against OKC and then, you know, losing to the San Antonio Spurs and and Phoenix, uh, you you thought, all right, there it is. That's the end. But I I believe I said in one of those bonus episodes at the end, well, the way to make up for that is to win the ones we weren't expecting you to win. And that's what they did going into Utah and picking up the the victory and then going into Golden State, which is a really tough place to play and and, and get maybe the biggest win of the season. So um, we got plenty of time to get into the individual performances and a couple guys I want to single out in particular. But from the the broader sense of of a team, I I think last night's win cements it in a is different. It it is different. And. I know you said you wanted to get into players in a minute. I'm just going to say it right off the bat. I'll tell you what's different is that the Nets have a third star and his name is Nick Claxton. His name is Nick Claxton. He wears number 33. Kevin Durant said it. Everybody who watches the games can see it. If you are looking anywhere for a third star in the Brooklyn Nets, you're looking at Nick Claxton, probably the biggest bargain contract of any player in the NBA, I would argue. So not only is it from an on-court perspective, an off-the-court perspective, a financial perspective, he's coming home for the Nets. It's he's just he's been absolutely unreal. And it fits that Nick Claxton is putting up his best career game in a game that felt like a real inflection point for the Nets season. No Kevin Durant. I'm just going to take from what our guy SB said in the chat. No Kevin Durant, full strength championship team, Golden State Warriors on the road who had rested players. And you pull off a 17-point comeback. It's it's thrilling to see. It's exciting to see. And while I do want to tamper some excitement in certain ways, and I'll get into that later, uh, I'm thrilled with what I'm seeing from Nick Claxton. And I'm thrilled for Nets fans that we're going to get to continue to see him play in Brooklyn. Be excited. It's okay to be excited. I'm pumped. Like, I was excited to do the podcast today. 
because I was expecting this to be a continued losing streak like we had last year. And every time I had to do those podcasts, it was like pulling teeth. It was like a chore, something I didn't want to do, but had to do. That's the win of the year. Again, we've had a few wins of the year, right? Uh, when we rested everyone against the Pacers and, you know, the backups did it. Everyone's like, win of the year, win of the year, win of the year. There's been a couple buzzer beaters. Win of the year. Uh, Kyrie hitting the buzzer beating in Toronto. Win of the year. You know, that's the win of the year because you do it on the road in the Chase Center. And I love that. I love that arena. I love that court. I want to go there so bad and see it. It's, it's brand new. It's beautiful. It's the home of the champions. And that's the thing. This, this is the defending champions at full strength. And the Nets found a way to go in there and beat them. And it was like they raised their compete level at the end of that game to close it. I mean, they stayed with them the whole game. But, uh, you know, it's it's a positive feeling as a Nets fan because we had the winning streak, 12 games where you don't lose for a month. KD goes down and it, it's doom and gloom again. Oh, we can't have nice things. Here we go. Deja vu. And you get the refresher of, no, it's not the same as last year. This is a different head coach in Jacques Vaughn, which, you know, he you got to keep giving him props, man. You got to keep saying his name. You got to keep giving him respect as the leader of this team preparing this team, talking to these guys, and not letting them go the other way. And then a ton of respect on Kyrie Irving. You know, we've been talking about Kyrie the last couple weeks, and at first it was like, okay, Kyrie, you're the guy. We've seen you be the guy. Are you Batman? Can you be Batman, or are you just a Robin? And he shows that he can be Batman. He hears all the outside noise. (laughs) (laughs) That has nothing to do with Robin Lumberg. We're talking about Dick Grayson. <laughs> but yeah, so it is a good feeling. Nets fans should feel good because the Nets didn't let history repeat itself in a negative way. They kind of pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and got it done. So now let's get into it. Let's go back. Speaking of Kyrie, right? That game in Utah Friday, that like that is one of the games when you see Kyrie play like that, that's one of those games where you can't doubt that he's top 75 all time. You can't doubt that he's one of the best players you've ever seen. KD hadn't said a word about the Nets on Twitter. He came out the next day on his Twitter and put out the little highlight reel of Kyrie in that game because what Kyrie was putting on film was absolutely ridiculous. The shot making, the shot creation. I don't have to tell you about Kyrie Irving. You're a Nets fan. You're an NBA fan. You understand. But he had 48 points, uh, eight threes, uh, six assists. On the road in Utah, welcome home party for Royce O'Neal. Kyrie Irving led the way. Uh, He had 11 rebounds, too. He's one of the smaller guys on the floor. He led the way against a Jazz team that has kind of leveled out some, but in the beginning of the year, people were hyping. And that was a team that I thought could still beat the Nets as currently constructed. Kyrie Irving has been absolutely brilliant the, the last couple of games. I mean, look... Uh, we can run through Kyrie's career and dependability issues and, and whether he elevates a team and all the frustration we've had at various times. But one thing that cannot be argued is his talent. He is ungodly talented. I mean, he's so, he is, you know, by the basketball gods, he, you know, he is touched his ability to create for himself, the angles he can shoot from, the, the shot making, as you said, the footwork. I mean, it's why when you say he very well may be the most skilled player of all time, it's not hyperbole in the sense of forgetting like 
you know, defensive impact and, and playmaking ability for others, but just pure individual skill. When you're talking the combination of layup package and finishing ability, shooting ability, ball handling ability, footwork, those things, Kyrie checks every box when it comes to that. And and the the challenge was for him to step up and he has stepped up. So no notes for Kyrie from, from the last couple of games. I mean, uh, Hudson hit on it. Claxton has elevated himself into that role. You know, Kyrie's found him with some lob opportunities. Claxton is is legit. It does feel like a third star now, maybe defensive player of the year, a potential all-star uh, who's only going to get better. I think he's 23 years old. So then you start to, to look at the team and, and you, you as you get further in the season, you identify who you trust, right? And for me, there's four guys right now I trust. Kevin Durant, obviously. Kyrie Irving on the court, um, Nick Claxton, and Royce O'Neal. Uh, Royce O'Neal ain't the level of player those other guys is, and sometimes he, he's not like a, a sniper where he's hitting all his shots, but I trust his decision-making ability. I trust his effort level, and and now he's he's responded enough in the clutch. And then I also, Keith, to your point, trust the head coach, who Jacques Vaughn is doing tangible things to impact the game. Not only does he have just the best vibes of all time. I mean, he's the most likable person, one of the, the most likable people on earth. But on, on top of that, he situationally manages the game well. Like when he calls the timeouts, substitution patterns, the way he handled that hack of Claxton uh, in the, the game against Warriors, um, the, uh, uh, on top of the challenge he used in that game, you know, and even the challenge he issued to the team in the midst of that, that started with the response in Utah. So those are the guys... You know, and I'm not saying no roster. I think that's all to be determined. But that's the the core that I feel good about right now. Yeah, absolutely. And if there are fingers to be pointed at who is to to be given credit for what the Nets are have been able to do, uh, really only just over these last two games, but more broadly uh, as the season goes on, at least until the trade deadline, Jacques Vaughn is obviously number one on the list. Um, Kyrie Irving has shown uh, an ability to respond to poor play. We issued a challenge. I don't believe he's listening to the podcast, but who knows? We we told him that he had to play like a Batman, and I'm not going to say that. And he was playing like the other name, you know. Uh, <laughs> and he did, and he stepped up, and he played like a first star. And and some of that was we knew he was going to regress to his mean. We saw him missing a lot of uncharacteristic shots, a lot of shots that he normally hits, a lot of shots that normally fall. But over these last two games, not only did he hit the shots that he was expected to make, but he elevated his game when the Nets, frankly, needed it. The Nets, and and this is probably the most underrated aspect of Kevin Durant, is Kevin Durant elevates the other players on the floor, particularly shooters, in a way that it's it's easy to say, and, and I would say it's definitely arguable, that no other player in NBA history can do. The way he draws defenses in, the way he can open up the floor for shooters on the floor, it is it's really an unreal and, and underappreciated aspect of his game. And when he's not on the floor, the ro- the roster and the rotation get shortened. If you're looking at both of these games, you see minuses, only minus in the plus minus category uh, for players coming off of the bench. And of course, Ben Simmons, who lives in the minuses, it seems, but regardless, we have a shortened rotation. We have a shortened list of players who are able to, really pour in points and to play in their roles when Kevin Durant is not on the floor and Kyrie Irving needs to make up for that. If the Nets are going to win games, particularly against good to great teams, as we saw this weekend and Kyrie Irving did just that. And so 
fault him uh, for how he played last week and as he deserved it, but he responded to getting punched in the mouth. And that's the kind of resilience I want to see with this Nets team going forward because there are going to be a lot more punches to the mouth. Yeah, I was responding to Will in the chat. Uh, they don't want to, Will. Um, but back to what we're talking about here, man. Um, that first, so Utah, the Utah, the Utah game. I keep like going to say Utah, and I think about Utah Watanabe, and mm-hmm. <laughs> they're the same word spelled differently. But that game Friday night was the game that they needed because against Phoenix, it was like I, I kept saying they they waited too long. They waited too long to turn it on. Kyrie didn't wait. The team didn't wait from the beginning. They were ready to play instead of like, okay, we're going to, you know, close at the end of the game. Okay, we're going to, uh, you know, take the game in the fourth. First quarter was 28-22. Second quarter, Utah bounces back. You come out in the third third quarter, second half, 32-28. And then you close the fourth quarter, 34-23. So they had it all the way. They played defense. Defense is, is big. I mean, I want to give some love to Joe Harris, but it's hard. Uh, like, I, he's we played want, better. I mean, he's played better, trust, but we do we trust more, him long term? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, I, mean, I can't. I, I I can't go back on like <laughs> exactly. Like, I just I think we're past the point of no return from Joe Harris. I don't think he's going to turn back into a twenty five point player, a fifty percent shooter from three. He did shoot fifty percent from three in that game. He was um three for six. And he had here's nine a, points. Here's a question for you: who Who do you feel better about, Joe Harris or Ste- uh, Seth Curry? Because I think interesting. Seth Curry can create his own shot better for sure and score at a higher clip, but Joe is bigger and you know can guard a little bit better on the other end. Seth makes some careless plays and turnovers at times. Those are my my two biggest question marks as far as like the guys who are are key members of the rotation and bring something obviously from a shooting standpoint that is unique but that I, I don't particularly uh, trust fully either of them. Yeah, you need both of them, right? You need shooters. Obviously, Joe starting and, and Seth coming off the bench. Alex just put in the chat that uh, Joe Harris is 10 for 16 um, in his last three games, shooting from three. Like, it's better, but uh, you, we need more. And I know Joe Harris is one of the people that we put out there is like, you got to step up in KD's absence. Uh, Seth, with some of the stupid fouls or turnovers or things, it is what it is, and – you know, he's not really a starter in this league. He's a bench guy in this league, and I think he's given us, you know, what he can give us. And now they've figured out. You know what? Like, when Ben Simmons went out of that Suns game, I think that gave them just intel on, like, what to do, what they can do. Uh, and Ben Simmons, I mean, I, I just – I don't know. I don't really have much on Ben. He is what he is, and I've been saying all year I don't have high expectations of Ben Simmons. He's on the team. Now the uh, Ben Simmons defenders want to compare, you know, him to Draymond. He's not Draymond. Like, I understand Draymond doesn't fill up the uh, points on, uh, you know, on a nightly basis, but they're not the same kind of guys. Ben Simmons put up 42 points uh, two times ago when he played the 70s or when he played the Jazz. Like, he Draymond's never doing that. I think that's why that makes it a little harder to make that comparison. Well, look, yeah. if he's Draymond, that'd be great, right? Like, we'd all take that if he was, in fact, Draymond. Draymond has proven it at the highest levels. Ben Simmons is not. With this, The, the thing about Ben Simmons that's still so frustrating is the talent is there. You see it. Like, you see the guy's court vision is spectacular. You know, some of the passes he makes, you have to be uh, gifted. 
in order to see those passes, you know, see the, the floor. Some of the defense that he played, he played great defense in the second half against Golden State. Uh, the issue is upstairs in the sense of, is he willing to take the shots? Is he looking for his shots at all? Or is he just running it across half court, handing it to somebody and setting a screen? Like what happens when the defense is tightened up? What it's happens when they scout Setting a screen and not moving. I like, I, I get it. I get it. There are Nets fans that want to defend Ben Simmons. Even shout out to Piper who says he's very similar to Draymond. There's a lot of players similar to the other players, but like we can't act as if Ben Simmons is our Draymond. He's not there. And like on this current team, this team is not set up like the Warriors, but that's a whole nother story. Now let's talk about the Warriors game since we're pretty much there. I don't think anybody had the Nets winning that game. Um, Steph has been back for a little bit now. They're at home. Um, but you know what? There's something in this, uh, you know, there's something in the air when it's Kyrie versus Steph. Um, I didn't add the video. I think I can try and add it. But there was a video that went viral somewhat, at least on Nets Twitter. It, yeah, it hit 1 million views. Where um, a fan was courtside and he yells at Kyrie, let's see what happens when Steph plays. And Kyrie tells him, it doesn't matter because he's got to guard me, so it's even. And then KD got into it too. I, I know you guys probably remember that. I didn't clip the video. I think we actually had it on the podcast after that Warriors game in Brooklyn. But there's something that happens with Kyrie when he sees that blue and yellow there's something that happens with Kyrie when it's Steph. And I love that because, hey, if that's your GOAT, if that's your favorite player, if that's your face of the NBA and everybody's watching, Kyrie relishes that opportunity. Well, look, Kyrie Irving in showdowns with Steph Curry has been as good or better. I mean, it just is what it is. And Steph Curry, like Steph Curry's on the short list of the greatest players I've ever seen in my entire life, right? Like uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Steph Curry, you know, Shaq, it's, it's short. Now we're, we're, we're talking about the Kobe's and the Kevin Durant's of the world as well. Um, but when, when he matches up with him, he gives him the he gives the Splash Brothers the business. I mean, he, he did it in 2016, and I know that was a long time ago, but it's not like he, he's fallen off really talent-wise since then. Obviously, Le, LeBron completely dominated that series, but Kyrie was the, was the Robin, and, and he was actually, you know, a good version. Of, of that, uh, you know, a non-lame version of that and, and really had both of those guys uh, under pressure in that series. And then last night, you know, Kyrie outplayed Steph. And what, what impresses me the most about it is defensively too. He takes that challenge. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody guard Steph one-on-one -on -one better than Kyrie does. Getting in that space, you know, taking away the, the easy shot-making opportunities that Steph can create because, you know, he needs a, just a tiny bit of, of room to get his shot off. He moves so well without the ball, all those things that, that make Steph Curry one of one. Um, but Kyrie, he, he answers that, that challenge, and that's when you get the, the most focused and best version of Kyrie. And when it comes to talent, when it just comes to talent, when it's applied right, there aren't many people better than Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie Irving, he, you're, you, you said it all. He just plays on another level uh, when he's in that matchup. And I don't think people understand. Like, and you mentioned how you know impressive it is as a whole defensively. But the level of athletic ability, not just natural basketball skill, not just, not just talent, not just desire, not just drive, to be able to keep up with Steph Curry when Steph Curry is moving off the ball. 
that's I don't think people and I think this is a problem with NBA basketball as a whole. They don't really talk about the level of like endurance athleticism it takes particularly to play guard in the NBA and to run around with all these shooters. Steph moves off the ball like nobody else and he moves fast. He moves far. He covers a lot of distance and Kyrie's keeping up with him. And I, I think you know that's one of the most underrated aspects of what it takes to be that good against Steph Curry because that tires you out. And your shot isn't always there when you're as tired, but Kyrie Irving puts that all aside. He still hits his shots uh, despite being tired. So I think that is one of the probably one of the most exciting things about that game because it shows that Kyrie can do it. And and like William said in the chat, you know, Steph really can't guard him. Kyrie puts up huge numbers against Steph, and that's obviously it's obviously awesome. But from this game, what I really want to talk about it's Wackaclacks. Nick Claxton six of fifteen from. Th- from the free throw stripe. I don't know, man. It was, it's definitely a sign of respect. Like they talked about definitely shows that he's a great player, but how do we feel about wack of clacks? I mean, clacks acknowledged it. And, and similar, and similar to what you said, he said, if they're fouling me like that, like it's a, it's a sign of respect, but he's known since last year, he's got to get better at the free throw line and it's not going to go away. And everybody watches the league and watches league pass and highlights. And it's not a secret. So I don't know at this point, like I'm just hoping that he shoots better from free throw because that strategy is going to be deployed by more teams. Yeah, look, it's it's a, a weakness that needs to be addressed, a way for him to improve his game, a, a tangible way, a, a one that, uh, you know, there, there's something with certain guys who just don't shoot free throws well where I, I guarantee you they're working on it, right? Most of them, they're, they're professionals. I'm sure there are some people that slack off, but in general, there have been a lot of guys over the years who just haven't shot free throws well. You hope he can hit it at a better clip. The the thing I uh, it, it worries me in conjunction with Ben Simmons. Obviously, it worries me if Ben Simmons is sitting out and Claxton's on the floor in a big game and he's going to the free throw line and the Nets are down two. Um, but the the best part of it, in my mind, is it doesn't seem to impact the way he plays. He never plays like he's afraid of getting fouled or going to the free throw line. He tries to finish strong through people. He takes it to the cup off the cut. He does all those things, you know, to to look for himself. So it's not like he's avoiding the trips to the free throw line. And that's at least a good sign in my mind about where his head's at. So here's the quotes. He said, I definitely take it as a challenge. I don't care if teams are following me. It's almost a sign of respect. They can't stop us, our team defensively. And I just got to go up and knock the shots down. I'm going to take on that challenge every single time. It honestly gets me going, gets me activated because – when I start getting fouled, I want to go back to the line. If that's what teams want to do, then I'm going to take on the challenge, and, yeah, I'll be ready. So that's what I'm saying. It is what it is, and he knows what it is. We all know what it is. Shoot better from the three uh, from the free throw line. He said, yeah, that's a mental part of it, that mental and physical part. Or Jacques Vaughn said it. Said it that It's a mental and physical part of it, um, and he left Claxton in. He said it's great for Nick because he's going to be counted on, and when the playoffs come around um, – you know, if a team wants to use that strategy, he'll continue to gain confidence in getting to the line and shooting. So we kept him out there. He'll continue to be out there if a team wants to take that strategy. No hiding from it. If if you're going to be one of the better players in the league and now Nick Claxton's starting to get defensive player of the year conversations around him, we've seen some of the best players, you know, have to figure it out. Yep, Stat Muse put it out there that he had 24 points, 15 rebounds, three blocks. He was 9 of 13 shooting, defensive player of the year. Maybe, 
But what I'm saying is, you know, look at look at Giannis, and I, and I'm not a big Giannis guy, but Giannis is winning MVPs, and he knows there's a weakness in his game. He'll push over a ladder to get his shots up after the game. He'll, you know, he stays after and he stays committed to being better at the free throw line. And we've all watched Giannis make considerable improvements over the years shooting from uh, the free throw line. So I think Claxton can do it too. And uh, I don't know, it's not something that worries me too much. It was, it wasn't something that worried me last year until we got to the end of the Celtics game, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. So hopefully this year it gets corrected. Yeah, and I, I think the thing of it is is that you can't take Nick Claxton off the floor. Not anymore. Not in crunch time situations. Not with the way he's playing. He gets lumped in with Ben Simmons in terms of you know potential free throw issues come playoff time. I have no problem taking Ben Simmons off the floor, especially if KD's playing. Get him off the floor if we're going to get put in a bad situation because of his poor free throw shooting, especially with Ben, because it seems so mental and the high pressure situations. Uh, he seems to wilt rather than to shine. Uh, but Nick Claxton can't come off the floor. So I think that's more great coaching by Jacques Vaughn to be able to put him in those situations when, of course, it matters. Every game matters. Every every win matters. Every loss matters in the regular season. But theoretically, if he had blown the game be- because of bad free throw shooting, it's not going to tank the entire net season. So putting him in those situations when it is not quite that crucial uh, before we get to the playoffs, I think is important. Well, but you know, that's a Jacques Vaughn thing though. Um, from the Warriors. There's a couple things from that game. One was the challenge. That was just a huge swing. And I, I think started the comeback that he won the challenge, but uh, on this specific topic, Claxton was in there and they did it, I believe twice in a row. And he left him on the floor for the reasons you're talking about Hudson because of his overall impact. But then it was about two minutes and 40 seconds left, maybe. The next time they had the ball on offense, he subbed Judah in for Claxton because he knew at that point, essentially, you only had one possession left before the two-minute mark, which is when they, they can no longer uh, deploy that strategy. So he brings Judah in to give the Nets one more offensive possession where that wasn't a, uh, an option for the Warriors and to minimize the time Claxton was off the floor but to maximize their their ability offensively just for that small period of time. All right, let me see if I can pull this video up. Uh, let's see. Will it play? I think so. That big shot from Royce. We're used to that now at this point, right? Yeah, he, um, he got big balls. He, he, um, he, definitely, he steps up in the crunch time. I love him. I, just, I love him so much. I, I'm, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> How else are you gonna say it? Keith, right? do you remember? Do you remember the first time we met in person? Was at the season ticket holder event in, in 2019. It might have just turned 2020. And Nick Claxton was was there as a rookie, mm-hmm. and he was just kind of like hiding on the wall. You know, like him. That was that still, was uh, long hair. The, the, the ramen, the ramen hair. Long that was, uh, Goldilocks, we were calling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was. I, and he didn't know. Also he, to me, he's the same guy. He didn't belong yet. Like the growth we've seen from Nick Claxton over the years, just last year to this year, right? If we have last year's Nick Claxton, we're in trouble right now. This guy matured. Last year, the conversation around him was about him hanging out with James Harden too much. Um, I heard something about him being in the hookah lounge, hanging out with some of the wrong people, uh, being too into fashion and uh, nightlife. And, you know, he got sick and they were like, OK, well, this guy's got COVID. No, it's non-COVID. And then also he didn't go to summer league. So they were questioning his work ethic. He cut his hair off. He locked in in the offseason. And we are now seeing like the grown man or at least the start of a grown man, Nick Claxton in Brooklyn. And I hope they keep him. I hope he stays. 
You know, and to his point, maybe we should get some shirts made up of of uh, Royce O'Neal pushing his uh, nether regions around in a wheelbarrow like, like that's South Park. South Park episode. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because that's the thing I like about Royce. He's not afraid like he can go 0 for 10. He's still putting the next shot up. And and that's what you got. You know, nobody's missing shots on purpose. You know, if that's the coach's job, if somebody's in such a prolonged slump, whether you're going to play them or not. But your job when you're open, shoot the ball. And he's never hesitated to do that. He, he's hit a, a few, a couple big ones, at least, I think, from three. And then I, I think he's got two game winners on tippins too. What I mean, a night. What a night. Yeah. Go ahead. Hal. I was just going to say, who, what's that quote? Um, I'd rather go like 0 of 40 than 0 of 1 because going 0 of 1 means that I stopped shooting. Yeah. I and, who said that. And, and I trust uh, – well, and isn't it you, you, uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, uh, mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. But uh, – <laughs> He he also is a pretty good decision maker. You know, he's not a creator. Every time he or Joe Harris puts the ball on the floor, you kind of take a breath like, uh-oh, what's about to happen here? But Royce is better at it than Joe um, and can can pass and play make just slightly better um, to a, an adequate level. But more importantly, I, I just – I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried that Royce O'Neal is going to cost the team because of stupid fouls or because of a – careless turnover. everybody turns the ball over everybody makes bad fouls but repeatedly right like i'm not worried about it becoming a pattern with him i'm not worried about his effort and i'm certainly not worried about him wilting under the pressure so that's why i, I of all the guys we we listed off that's why at the beginning of the show i listed him as you know you, you have to by playoff time get to that group of eight or nine you know that you feel good about and right now i'm at four with room for more but we're working our way that I feel really good about those four guys in KD, Kyrie, Claxton, and, and Royce O'Neal as far as being the the money players for this team down the stretch run and, and in playoff rotations. Yes, sir. This is a playoff team. KD will be back. He's supposed to be reevaluated tomorrow. But I, I'm saying last night, like, what a game. What a feeling. The Nets go on a 27-10 run to get the W. The quotes after were great. Team's happy. Team's smiling. You get Seth Curry versus Steph Curry, the brotherly love, obviously. And for me, uh, the fraudulent football team that I chose before I even knew where they were located, I I turned that game off at halftime, and the Nets got the big screen, and I went to sleep happy with that W. I think the Nets world is uh, healing some again because we heard Brooklyn. We heard those chants out west. In the Chase Center. And I know they didn't send the Brooklyn Brigade on a plane to San Francisco. So that means that there are Nets fans that live out west that bought tickets to that game. And then when it was decided and when it went the Nets way at the end, you heard Brooklyn. I'm I'm in my bed. I'm like still thinking about it. I'm like, wow. Like Nets fans out west, some of them probably never been to Barclays Center. That Brooklyn chant, <laughs> it traveled. <laughs> And I, that I saw, shows you the Nets world has been built. I saw somebody wearing gear too in the. Uh, I, I I think I've noticed that very often in opposing teams' arenas, um, which is you know especially like when you go to when you see them in places like Denver and Utah. I mean that's another good yeah. reason for the Utah win. That's kind of one of those games people can forget about or or not show up for. But um, something has happened. Something has changed, and and I don't know if it's just time. I mean we're what are we ten years in Brooklyn now? What they gave. These out. I'm holding up a replica court. Ten years in Brooklyn. Uh, I don't know if it's the time. I don't know if it's just the coverage. You know, the fact that the, this team has been covered so ubiquitously for so long. 
now um, that it just puts it on people's radars. I don't know if it's the, the merchandise and the gear that looks so fresh and cool that ha- has brought people in. Uh, it's probably a combination of all those things. But the, the Nets feel like a marquee franchise. You know, they, I know New York fans will do whatever they can to tell you that's not true, but that's where the phrase Nets world comes from, right? I, I think the Nets are a, a marquee franchise. Perhaps as much um, crap as KD and Kyrie get, they are incredibly skilled and incredibly and that has to have an effect too. And that's not going to fade, right? I mean, it hasn't faded for the Knicks. They've been asked for literally my entire lifetime. And you don't see, it doesn't, it, I, it's a little different than the Knicks where the Knicks have hardcore passionate support and i'm not i'm not crapping on knicks fans for that because like they've they've been there they've done that they they stuck around for the longest despite the fact you know that like it's in some ways it's like stockholm syndrome where they they start identifying with their captor right but with with the nets i i don't like know if i see the orange and blue just out and about casually to the same degree that like in msg sure but like or just like in random places i i think i see more brooklyn stuff then I see Nick's stuff. Bro, I'm telling you, I told you guys I'm getting off the plane in Amsterdam or getting on the plane. I don't know. And my wife is like, points is like, Brooklyn Nets jacket. I'm like, Nets worldwide. Like, it's a cool logo. It's a cool look. We've got cool jerseys, color scheme. This week will end on uh, the 28th with another matchup of the Nets and the Knicks. So we'll be talking about this again. But the Knicks aren't like that. They want to talk about how it's New York forever, how many fans they have. Yeah, because for a long time, that was the team in the middle of New York. That's all you had. And it isn't a matter of them being cool or them having star power or whatever. It's because they had 100 years of being New York's basketball team. But they don't have that type of pull. I also said I went to the Nike town in in the middle of London, and they had Nets gear, they had Lakers gear, they had Celtics gear. There was no Knicks gear. Um, They had Warriors gear. There was no Knicks gear. The Nets have built this franchise up to what they wanted it to be. They took it out of New Jersey, East Rutherford, brought it to New York, didn't rename them or, you know, take the New York Nets old name and put it back on them. They renamed them the Brooklyn Nets, and they built to the point where they have star players, where they have fans in every other arena now, it's evident, and they have fans across the world. So what would be nice is if those fans actually could watch a playoff run to the Eastern Conference Finals maybe even the finals. Um, After the game, let's pull up what Kyrie had to say. Uh, Brian Lewis put this on Twitter. Kyrie said, I told you guys that I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to be the first option or the second option or the main one. This is just a message for everybody at home. First option, second option, third option. They don't fucking matter to me. The objective is to win. Good, good. I like that. And uh, you see after the game, I put a picture up of Kyrie and um, Steph embracing. Yes, these are two all-time greats. They definitely have a relationship off the floor. They faced each other so many times. They have a bunch of friends in common. But it's mutual respect at the end of the day. They they hug, they embrace, and you. I watched the video. You see Steph after that loss, like yo, I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you, bro. Like I know we look at it as you know, like this is WWE, but these guys are all friends. And uh, last but not least, let's go to the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, the owner of this Nets world, Joe Sy, last night at 11.05. Wow. With the two peace signs on Twitter. Wow. We're out. Back-to-back wins, two strong wins on the road for the Nets, and now they will head home 
to face the Philadelphia Sixers. Boo, I know there's That's on some... the road. That's in Philly. Oh, well, head back east. Excuse yeah, yeah. me. Um, good call. I, I, I knew it was in Philly um, this Wednesday. And then they'll be back home to face the Pistons on Thursday and then the New York Knicks on Saturday. So uh, let's wrap this one up. We'll put a bow on this. Um, other than that, I don't really have too much to add. I'm looking at the notes. I, I already said Katie will be reevaluated tomorrow. And uh, it's just good that we we now see, like, okay, the big three is not uh, Katie, Kyrie, and Ben. It's Katie, Kyrie, and Klax. Uh, whatever they can get out of Ben, they can get out of him. The trade deadline is approaching. Uh, I did have in my notes the, the Rui Hachimura trade uh, to the Lakers. I know Nets fans are looking around like, hey, Sean Marks, do something. But I think we'll cross that bridge when something actually happens versus speculating. I hate doing that. I hate speculating over Kyle Kuzma, Chris Porzinga, Jakob Poto, John Collins. Are we still going to get Drew Holiday and Bradley Beal and all these other guys? Like, it, we do this every year. Andre Drummond, like, we do this every single year. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll react if anything happens so robin hudson anything else you guys have to add to this one yeah i I think um this is a a team that can win a championship you know they're in that group they're in that tier so it is going to come down to small little moves right like small ancillary moves we'll see the ones he makes sean mark shouldn't get a ton of flack because he didn't trade for Rui hachimura necessarily we'll see what he does indeed do you know the roster is not perfect but it's better you know, Claxton is a part of what he did, too, in his regime, so he deserves credit for that. I think uh, the thing we've learned this season, or we should learn this season, is a little patience because we've been real ready to blow this team up. We've been angry. We've said they're the same as last year. They're trash without Durant, and they've shown, I think, at this point in the season, that's not the case. That doesn't mean they're going to win it all, but they've shown they deserve a little patience. Absolutely, and I think just looking ahead – I know we did this a couple of weeks ago and ended up being a little anticlimactic, but another date to circle first of February Boston Celtics game. Hopefully KD's back. I, I'm looking for this team to have a real true litmus test against a good team with their full contingent of players. I, I really do want to see it not only from an entertainment standpoint, but also from a projecting forward standpoint for what we can expect from the Nets. And obviously we've talked about in the past Celtics are a good team. Uh, and the Nets have a lot to prove against them. And so that's going to be the the day that I have circled skipping past all of the, the couple of weeks we have, we have uh, a couple of games we have coming up. Yeah. In the chat, uh, Jay from BK asked uh, Robin, when's your son going to get a Kai Jersey? And uh, Brittany Andrews said, who would we give up anyway? <laughs> oh, Cam Thomas. We'll send, we'll send Cam Thomas somewhere. Cam Thomas played. I'm sure we got some first round minutes. picks. I was just showing him Kyrie highlights. Uh, so that that's what you'll get for now. Got to teach he, him. Got to show him. Because <laughs> look, man, look at the way he creates space for himself. You know, that's 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 where we're at right now. Awesome. That's all we've got. Uh, subscribe to the pod. Leave us a review. We didn't get any voicemails, but let me double check that. I got to start putting the voicemail number out there earlier with like a prompt. A prompt to say like, I don't know, who should the Nets trade for? Call us up. And be on the next pod and tell us what you think. I do not see any new uh, reviews. Julia was our last review, and she's still holding. Shout out to Julia. I saw she was in the chat as well. That's all we've got. So we'll be back with bonus episodes, the little quicker episodes that we do for audio podcast listeners only. 
And then we do these bigger 40, 45 minute episodes for YouTube, just chronicling the season and following this team, the never know nets. I named them that early in the season. You don't know. We thought they were going to lose uh, this whole road trip. No, they figured it out. And it just shows you that they've got the right coach and they've got the right vibe in that locker room. That's something big. There was a lot of talk about vibes, the, the positive vibes, the energy and the vibes are right. The uh, vibes around the team are right. So hopefully that carries over into the fan base. All right. Hit like on your way out for the YouTube chat. Uh, Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. We'll be back with an episode shortly. Keith McPherson, Robin Lumberg, Hudson Flynn. Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. From the Chase Center, Brooklyn.